0: And we're back. This is Mike Sternrich from Danger and Play, Gorilla Mindset, here to talk about your biggest career mistake. I had an AMA on my Twitter. You can ask me anything for the podcast, and then I pick the questions that most people want to hear about. All right. What is the biggest career mistake people make? The biggest career mistake people make is you think you have a career, and you treat it as kind of being about X. So let's say you're a graphics designer. You view it about well, my career as graphics design. Or my career is I don't know, what do people do for careers anymore? You guys I have to tell me tell me this stuff. I'm so out of touch. But that's what you think of is whatever your job is, that's your career. Now here's the problem with that. If that's your career and that's what you know, you're always going to be at the mercy of other people. You're always going to be trying to find another job, right? You always hear people say, I need to find another job, or I'm gonna job hop. Because you're only known for that one thing now. Here's where that gets you into trouble. Um well, I mean it gets you in trouble because you're always at the mercy of finding a job. But if you're always trying to find a job, you don't run your own business, you're never really going to make the kind of money you could make working on your own. But let's say you're you're great at graphics design, you know. I really could use a graphics designer. Well, people are always telling me, Hey Mike, I want to do work with you. I want to I want to work for you. And I'm like, all right, you know, show me a portfolio. Oh, well, I could do so much, or 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 my portfolio is at my my uh, job, or you know. Well, you know, think about that. Think about the opportunities you're going to miss because if you tell me that you're great at something, well, you shouldn't have to tell me. Just show me, right? I don't have to tell people, hey, man, I, you know, if I, if I told somebody, hey, I think you have a great personal brand, how about I write a book with you and we'll sell a lot of books? Well, I don't have to tell you that I can do that. I would just say, here are my other books and take a look at them, read them. Here's my web profile, look at it, right? It speaks for itself. So people are telling me what they can do that is such like a, a failure, you know, and just because you're a failure today doesn't mean you're a failure tomorrow, you know, you can be a winner tomorrow. But that's that's the mindset people have is if you're doing great work for a company, when you get home, you ought to spend an hour or two doing different work, even if it's unpaid, to build your portfolio because you because you've got to be able to acquire your own customers. If you can't acquire your own customers, you are never going to be as successful as you could be or make as much money as you could be or have as much flexibility as you could have. You have to know how to acquire your own customers. So what you do is when you when you think about it in terms of I just have a career, you limit automatically what you do. And I'll give you a great example. Um, Gene Simmons, lead singer of Kiss. I watched him give a talk, and he even wrote a book called Me Inc., which I've never read. Uh, you know, I would always call it you treat yourself as you Inc. You're your own little company, right? Well, what what is Kiss? What are they? Well, they're a rock and roll band, right? That's one way of looking at it. But he changed the paradigm where they found out that they were actually a global uh, franchise, a global worldwide phenomena, a global brand. So when you go to a Kiss concert, you just don't watch the show. You're going to buy guitar picks that are kiss themed. You're going to buy Zippo lighters to have the Kiss logo on it. You're going to buy T-shirts. You're going to buy water bottles. You're going to buy everything that has these logos on it. And that's such a profound shift that – you know, it wouldn't do it. I mean, you remember back in the day, you'd go to like a rock and roll concert or a rap concert or something. The band would play and maybe they sell t-shirts, right? Well, how much, you know, how much money did they miss out on? But Gene Simmons' big thing was, no, people like my brand. They think we're cool, so now they're franchising everything. So he didn't just think of himself as, well, how can I have a career as a musician, right? Because you might think, well, what does Kiss have to do with me? Because it's that fundamental mindset shift that he made. He didn't just think, how can I be a musician and run my musical career, he thought, how can I have opportunities to make more income based on what I'm doing, right? Think of yourself as a global phenomenon. When I talked to Scott Adams, for example, in a podcast that you guys should all listen to, and the YouTube you should watch, he said, I think of myself as an entrepreneur. Now, th- think about that. You know, Think about the labels you use and how you identify yourself. And I go, okay, well, why do you think of yourself as an entrepreneur versus you know, an artist, a cartoonist, a writer, whatever. And he said, as an entrepreneur, you think of yourself as having more options, right? Now, now think about that. Again, this is a mindset shift, but you have to – you, you want to think deeper than that. So Scott Adams did Dilbert. Now, okay, he's a cartoonist. Well, but the reason Dilbert blew up was because when he started his, his strip, he included his email address on Dilbert. Nobody else had done this at the time. Nobody had done it. What happened? People then would email him and say, hey, here are the comic strips I like. Here's the comic strips I don't like. As it turned out, and you can read this in his book, How to Fail at Almost Everything in Life and Still Win Big, which I did a review on at Danger and Play. Well, he found out that people were telling him, well, we like Dilbert most when he's in the office. Now, Scott Adams' comic strip might have failed because he was just sort of randomly doing strips and he had really no idea what to know. And when something fails fails in your life, you usually don't know why it fails. It's such a gift. That's why hate and criticism to me is such a gift because when most of us fail, you don't know why you failed. You can try to rationalize it after the fact. So if Scott Adams had been doing Dilbert at home, Dilbert here, Dilbert there, and if he had just gone on a a run where he had Dilbert at home, people wouldn't have liked it. Nobody would have known why and his trip would have been gone. But because he thought of himself more as an entrepreneur, more of his own little business, And as that, even as an artist, you have to give people what they want, right? There's nothing I hate more. I think it is the most smug, loser mindset when an artist says, I don't care what people want. I have never thought about what people want or what they care about. And I think, well, you're a fucking loser. Because if you want to sell your art to people, then it actually matters what the market wants. And unless you're freaking Michelangelo, which none of us listening to this are, and I'm sure not. very good at what I do, but I'm not Michelangelo. You're not that great anyway, right? It's like, get over yourself. You're not that fucking great. You want to give people what they want. You want to find out what the market wants. Well, how do you find out what the market wants? Well, in Dilbert's case, Scott Adams put his email address on there and then he found out what the market wanted. So now he's making an A-B test. So Adams isn't just thinking, oh, how can I just be a cartoonist? Adams is thinking, how can I be like a whole entrepreneur? So then what happens? Well, did a beep. Then the guy is... um Sorry sorry about that. That's the thing about doing podcasts on your own. You know, people are trying to, to message me. So then Adams is doing books. He's giving speaking events. He's lear- learning public speaking. So he's built a whole global enterprise based on a cartoon strip. So he didn't just think, well, how can I manage my career as a cartoonist? He thought, how can I be a global brand? Gene Simmons didn't just think, how can I be a good rock and roller? He thought, how can I be a global brand? They didn't just think of that one narrow thing. That applies to whatever you're doing. If you're doing graphics design, and the reason I keep bringing that up is because I've been working with some graphics designer on some cool stuff. There, um, You can't just think, how can I be a good graphics designer? Yeah, you got to learn your skill. you got to learn your craft. But then you should be thinking, how can I get people to discover me? How can they find me? Okay, well, can they find me on the website? Do I have a portfolio that I can show people? Do I have actual work that I've done? For, that I've done, And a lot of times, again, that means you're free. Like Danger and Play, I wrote for free before I made a dollar. I wrote for free on the internet for years before I made any money because I didn't know how to do it. But when you're writing, you're writing more and more, then that's how people find you, right? That's how I acquire customers. You know, readers are customers for a writer. Ultimately, people buy my books so or they don't. People... You don't know, click on my affiliate links, so they don't. They find me credible and buy products that I recommend, or they don't. So I'm just not thinking, how can I be a writer? I'm thinking, how can I be a global worldwide brand as a writer, as a mindset guy? See, see the difference? So I could just say, how can I manage my writing career? Or I could say, how can I build a global brand, which I've done, clearly, right? Nobody can – I don't have to tell I don't have to say, guys, you really need to, you know, guys, girls, men, women, children, listen on in. I'm really good at this stuff. I don't have to tell you that. <laughs> just go just go look. And you'll see, oh, shit, this guy's everywhere, you know. Friends of mine, like, mention him. Or they mention Gorilla Minds or they mention his controversial stuff or his edgy stuff or his journalism. Okay, he's got the big social media profile. He's got books. He's got, you know, pod the podcast. He's got everything. So I've made myself a global worldwide brand. Because I didn't just think of myself as well how can I have a career as a writer I thought as how can I be a global worldwide brand? The same is true as if you want to be you know CEO of a company well CEO of a company you're become you have to become you have, you have to have a personal brand right You're more than just good at your job you have to be then good at management, you have to be good at schmoozing, you have to be good at political alliances you have to be good at spotting trends you have to become good at recognizing opportunities and seizing opportunities when they come. Right. See how much there is to it. I mean, life really, you know, life really is complicated, which, you know, I happen to like just because I get bored easily and life is so complicated that now you can't get bored. If anything, you get overwhelmed. But you don't have to think, you know, for yourself, how can it be a global worldwide brand? But you can think, well, I'm good at X. How can I get good at these other things? And that's, again, where, you know, Scott Adams calls it the talent stack Charles Munger calls it the mental model. I always call it cross training. A lot of times, you you realize people who key in on reality. We, we talk about the same things, We just use different concepts, and we all kind of discover it independently. So, if your career, you ought to be sales and marketing. Why? Well, because you have to sell yourself to your boss. You have to sell yourself to clients, and then if you want to acquire your own customers, you have to sell yourself to them. So you can never go. Whatever your career is. I don't care if you're an artist, you know. Artist is a good example because again, artists think they're too above it. I'm an artist. I'm above the free market. Well, that's why you're broke. You know? That's why you're a loser. That's why you're crying that the world doesn't understand you because you don't understand sales and marketing. Like if you're an artist, the internet is so big that you should be able to make a living because even there are enough people in the world who are going to love your art whatever your art is. But if you don't know sales and marketing, how are you gonna find those people? How are they gonna find you? How are you gonna know how to price your artwork, right? How do you know how to create hype and demand for your art? You don't know any of that stuff. So whatever your career is, you better be learning sales, you better be learning marketing, you better be learning influence and psychology, persuasion, right, you better be learning all that, you better be learning negotiation. Negotiation is how you're gonna get more money from your boss, right? How you're gonna get uh, something from a client, how you do the pitch, how do you create win-wins? You know, Jerry Spence, how do you argue and win every time? How do you persuade people? Right? To do what you want them to do. It's all connected. So you might just think, well, my career is X, but that doesn't mean anything. If your career is X, then you ought to be learning Y and Z on your off hours. You ought to be building your portfolio. You ought to be reading books on, you know, like getting to Yes Negotiation, good book. Jeff Walker's Launch, great book. How to argue and win every time by Jerry Spence, great book, how to feel it nearly everything. And still one big and still one big, great book. Um Me Ink by Richard or Gene Simmons, which I've never read, but apparently we talk about a lot of the same stuff. Great book, okay? James Altucher, choose yourself, great book. You know, we talked to James Altucher in a previous podcast, and you should watch that video interview also. Jobs are gone. You know, your career isn't gonna last. You're gonna change jobs now seven times at least. Yeah, for people who are under thirty, I believe the number is actually thirteen. Median wages have not gone up. What does that mean? Median wages mean 50%, right? What are people making as a rule? Hasn't gone up since the 70s or even the 60s. So your wages aren't going to go up. You're not. Your wages aren't going to go up even if they're going up now because you're a young gunner. You're 25. Talk to some people who are 50. Talk, talk to some people in society about how we treat the old in our in our culture and how we define old. People in America, they think 50 is old. 50 is when you should be wise. And a lot of that is because people who are 50 want to act like 30. So there is a definitely, you know, a chicken and an egg. Does society treat old people badly because we don't respect the old or does society treat old people badly because old people want to act like they're young, but you can't compete with young people if you're old, right? What's your comparative advantage? That The podcast I did, you know, the, the rise of the 40-year-old bro where there's all these 40-year-old guys with the that cap's on you know i'm so cool look at me you know they think they're 25 but they're 25 year old kids are thinking (laughs) what the hell you know these people are idiots you know but if you're 40 and you're actually more wise then young people actually respect you and admire you more right it's another one of those paradoxes of life so for example i'm 38 and probably more people ever in my life think that i'm cool even though i'm not cool than ever in my life right why because i don't try to play like the bro cool guy thing I'm, I, I'm more about wisdom sharing a message sharing a positive message encouraging people right well so because of that i'm actually and because i don't care about being cool i'm actually viewed as cool because cool is a social construct so that's the thing you got to realize is that you might be 25 30 35 and your wages are going up talk to some people when they're 50 Look around your company if you have a job. How many people are over 50? That should put the fear of God in you. If you're looking around and you're not seeing people in their 50s, you need to ask yourself then, where are the people who are over 50? Well, you're going to be over 50 one day, and a lot of people listening in here are over 50, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you what happens and how you're treated, even if you're wise and very good at your job. They just, they're just they thinking about ways to get rid of you. Well, even if you're young and good at your job, because of the global marketplace we live in, the corporations are thinking about ways to get rid of you. James Altucher is a big investor in, in, in um, temporary um, temporary employees, employee companies. That's what Choose Yourself is such a good book. You're um, they want to get rid of you if you have a salary. And they want people to come in as a temps because temp workers don't get money. They don't get paid as much as you. They don't get benefits. They don't get four hundred one ks. So your boss wants to fire you. They want to get rid of you. So you have to be now, because of the way the market's changed, the market is now that you have to be great just to have a good life, which we've never experienced before. It used to be, you know, especially the 50s and 60s and even 70s, if you were good at your job, you would have a job and you had a stable path. If you're good at whatever it is you do, you're going to have a mediocre life outcome. You might even have a bad life outcome. That's why people are like, well, I thought I was good enough. Good, Good doesn't work anymore. Being good at your job, doesn't work anymore. You have to be good at five different jobs. And if you want to have a good a good life, you have to become great. I am great at what I do. That isn't me telling you again, just prove me wrong, right? Look at the analytics and stats. And I live a good life or even a very good life, okay? But if I were only good at what I did, I would not be living a good life. I'd be living a mediocre life. I would not be living the life that I live now. So you also have to think in terms of your career as you want to think, how can I aspire to greatness? How can I be great? You know, that's why Donald Trump is on the rise for a lot of people, is he's like an aspirational brand. Now I've been to Trump Tower, and you know, no offense to the Trump supporters listening in, or you know, Trump's people listening in. I, Trump and I have different tastes and different, you know, visions of life and everything, and that's great. We all have different lives, but it's still aspirational. This is the life he wanted to live, and he created that life. My life is based less on opulence, and more on just personal freedom. But it's all about how you define it. But I live a great life in terms of maximizing personal freedom. I I might go to Alaska this week. Why? Because some friends of mine are there. Or I might go to Iceland. So here I am in New York living wherever I want to live. And I'm thinking, "Eh, am I going to go to Iceland? Or am I going to go to Alaska? Well, that for me is life. But part about living that life is I don't have obligations or of running a company if i'm donald trump running his kind of company that's why people are like mike why don't you run a big company why are not you CEO of a fortune 500 company well clearly i could have done that it's harder to do what i do than it is to to, to rise in the corporate ladder but if i did that i couldn't just say hey, i think i'm gonna go to alaska for a week or two and like hang out with some friends and goof off or maybe i'll go to iceland yeah you do really know oh you know, no don't really know what i'm gonna do because that's how i define my life right but to live the life that I live, I have to think every day like greatness. It is a Saturday morning, and it is noon. What is it? Noon in California. So even though I'm in New York, I keep my clock set to California. You know what I did? I got up, wrote a little bit on Twitter. A lot of people say Twitter isn't work, and my answer to that is, okay then, you do on Twitter what I've done, and then you can tell me what work is. Right? That's always great when people try to tell me what you do isn't even hard, man. Well, why don't you? Why don't you come up with? 50 to 100 pithy things every day, including having people angry at you all the time and dealing with the hate and negativity that comes with that. You go do what I do. And you can tell me it's hard, right? Something up writing and doing a podcast right now it's well, Saturday. And how do you define your Saturday? Well, you define it by Friday night. Last night, I wasn't out getting drunk. I wasn't out partying. I wasn't out late, okay? Yesterday, went to the gym, did cardio, did my Wim Hof breathing. I live a very very intense focused life because you have to be great to live a good or very good life you have to work your ass off you have to learn more and, you know put aside your conception of fair life is not fair anymore even if it ever was fair i don't know is it fair that your boss is trying to get you fired and outsource your job and people want you on welfare and disability and people tell you you're irrelevant and people tell you your life is over at 50 I sure don't think that's very fair, very nice, but that's the reality we live in. Doesn't do any good. Thinking about what's fair, you have to think about ways that you can be great. Well, being great has multiple components to it. To do what I do and handle the um, the stress associated with it, well, I go to the gym. I have to for the endorphins, for the blood flow of my brain, for the cardio. How can you be a creative writer like I am? People are like, Mike, how can I be as creative and productive as you are? Well, how much cardio did you do today? What do you mean cardio? Well, if you don't have blood pump into your brain, how are you going to be creative? Well, I don't, you know, you know, they don't have an answer. Well, you just, you're not doing, you got to go hard. So every day I go hard. That includes relaxing hard. Saunas, you know, hit the saunas, get the good deep tissue massages, do intense meditation, do the Wim Hof breathing, because you have to be great every day. So that's the answer, guys, girls, women, children. If you wanna live a good life, you're gonna have to be excellent. You're gonna have to try to find greatness every day. You don't have a career, you have to think of yourself as your own little corporation, your own little me ink, your own little you ink. And that you ink could be a, a, a big thing or a small thing. I consider what I do, I'm a one man shop, I, even though I have a global worldwide brand, I'm just like I live a nice little life, quiet life of a, a small business. I don't have ten people that I have to manage or hundred people I have to manage or corporate drama or HR departments or people gossiping at the workplace or people you know spying on me at work and then feeding information to journalists. I don't, I don't have any of that because I don't want it. I just want my U Inc to be me or maybe me and a, you know a few people, five or ten people at most. Maybe your vision of U Inc is you want to be CEO of whatever of. Enron or Apple, I don't know, I don't care. Whatever it is you wanna do, you gotta do, but you gotta realize you have to become skilled at a lot of things. You have to think about your identity and how you define yourself. You don't wanna define yourself as I'm a blank, where blank is whatever skill you do or whatever trade you have. You wanna think of yourself as I am my own small business, I am my own corporation, I am my own whatever. Or you can say I'm an entrepreneur. And then when you redefine yourself and redefine that identity, Then naturally you start acquiring skills that are congruent with that. So if you say, well, I'm an entrepreneur and that becomes your identity, your belief in your identity, well, then you realize, okay, well, entrepreneurs are going to take more risk than most people, right? I have a very high appetite for risk. Probably too much of an appetite. I love risk. It just – that's one of the reasons I've been successful online is I just love – I write things and I know that there's just going to be an outrage. I just – I get a rush. It feels good, right? Maybe not for you. Other people have a different, you know, different brain patterns or whatever. But if you think, well, I'm an entrepreneur, then you're thinking, well, I need to take risks. I need to understand cash flow, right? I need to find my own clients and customers because if you're working at a job, you're getting a salary. Are you really an entrepreneur? Well, maybe you are because if you're trying to increase the company's bottom line and you're trying to find you're going to hit corporate politics as anybody's worked in company, but just go with me for the thought experiment. If you think of yourself as an entrepreneur, you're going to look at your company and realize, oh, here's how we get clients. Here's what they do. Oh, well, why don't I learn these processes, right? Why don't I go ahead and do that? And then it can become anything. You know, I know women who they just do jewelry now they want to, um, they do jewelry in their free time and then they have a website where they sell their jewelry and they're not trying to become multi-millionaire fashion logos. They just think, oh, I like doing it and I can make, you know, a few hundred extra bucks a week doing it. What else would I be doing with my free time, right? which is another important question, is always, what else would you be doing, right? You'd just be wasting your time watching television or whatever. So why why can't you just do small entrepreneurial work where even if you're only making a few hundred bucks a week, that's money you're making rather than spending money and wasting money and wasting time. So you want to think about that way too. And that is how entrepreneurs think. Entrepreneurs think more in terms of like ROI. Well, if I do this, right? So if I go out and what people say, quote unquote, have fun, well, if on a Friday night, I go out and have fun and I get drunk, then what's the ROI on that? Well, it's negative because I'm going to wake up on Saturday. I'm going to be tired. I won't be doing a podcast like I'm doing now. Every time I do a podcast, I expand my brand. Every time I write, I expand my brand. Every time I do a podcast, I sell books. Every time I write, I sell books. So that's what I'm doing. So The ROI for me of going out is negative because nothing, nothing is going to happen. Right the next day, my business isn't going to grow. And every day I want my business to grow. I have massive momentum. So that's how entrepreneurs think. Entrepreneurs think in terms of ROI. What's my return on investment? I go out, I get drunk on a Friday. My return on that time spent getting drunk and spending $200 is negative. I've lost that money. I've lost that time. And I've lost that whole next day where I'm not working on my business. I'm not moving forward. I'm not getting momentum in my life. Well, that's how entrepreneurs think. So, if you if you just think, "Well, I'm a career guy," that's not how you think, is it? See how see how just changing your identity and viewing your identity differently has powerful effects on you. So, you always want to work on your identity too, and you always want to make those mindset shifts. And that's how you build a big career, and that's how you build the big you inc. Or if you're like me and you just want to be a big one man you inc. Whatever it is, you know that's what you want to do. Thanks for listening in. This is Mike Cernerich from Danger and Play and Gorilla Mindset.